Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. It is week 17. It is the end of the year. We are feeling festive. Uh, my belly is full with uh, Christmas uh, Christmas cooking. Man, I had one hell of a uh, holiday weekend in, uh, up in wine country in Northern California. I cannot say enough nice things about uh, how well they treat you up there. It is out of this world. But uh, excited to be back on the deep dive to Handicap Week 17 to talk about the year that was 2018, to get into the playoff picture. Uh, Andy, how are you doing this beautiful evening? Very good. Same It's not wine country, but beautiful Minnesota where, <laughs> I don't know, we didn't, we didn't travel a lot. We haven't done our traveling yet, but we did, uh, we did host some Christmas. I grilled up some lamb chops that were pretty fucking good. So wow, that was good, the highlight good of my job Christmas. By you. Good job by you. Um, we, uh, we have... Uh, we polled the readers and the listeners uh, of deepdivemedia.co uh, to ask them for to to for recommendations who to bring back as uh, sort of the guest of the year uh, to uh, to be our year-ending special here, week seventeen. Uh, and there was uh, a pretty clear and obvious outcry. The people wanted to hear from Barry Horse, so we have reached out to the man, the myth, the legend, Barry at Barry Horse twenty nine. Uh, to help us handicap this week 17, but even more so just to kind of tell us some stories about the crazy year that was. Uh, so with that, welcome back to the deep dive. Mr. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> How are we doing, fellas? Oh, we are doing spectacularly. How are you doing this evening? I'm just toughing it out here, going up and down the Pacific coast, golf every other day. It's really brutal. <laughs> oh, what's been the uh, What's been the highlight of your golf experience in December to this point? Torrey Pines for sure. Uh, all of us got our asses kicked. Oh, we, we were just doing a little buddy's trip, but um, that I, I'd gone to the tournament uh, the last three or four years, the Farmers Insurance Open, and playing in person is totally different. We walked too, which was a terrible idea. It's really up and down uh, hilly, but <laughs> uh, it's it's just different to see it in person. Really fun. Nice. How does that rank uh, have, in your, your top five? I've never walked a course before. Oh my God. <laughs> so far. Um, yeah. How does Story yeah, Pines stack I, up? I mean, it's all what big... you're ranking on. I, I'm a little bit of an architecture nerd. So I love like the super strategic courses. So Pasa Tiempo, great one for that. Um, but Tor, in terms of just beauty, just being out on the ocean right there, Tori's up there. I'd say top five, definitely. Okay. Uh, is it true, true or false? You started your whole social media handle and giving away winners just to make connections so that you could get onto golf courses. Purely. Yep. Uh, 100% true. <laughs> well, uh, it was a job well done by you. Uh, I have to worked. say <laughs> it's worked out well. Um, so let's, let's kind of, you know, I'll, I'll do my splash recap from an outside observer of, of, you know, how things went down for you this year, but I'd like you to kind of fill us in, in, in terms of, uh, of, you know, kind of the roller coaster that was, uh, starting a social media account on Twitter in the same year that gambling became legal. And there was all sure. of this attention and all of this stuff. So, um, I think I heard about your account in, I don't know, I'll say end of May, maybe it was mm -hmm. beginning of June, someone in our, you know, in our, our sharp, picks chat was like you got to check this guy out like he's got a legit model he's posting all the results like this is couldn't no have been joke. earlier i started may 20th <laughs> okay that would i'm i must have been like within like a week or two i don't know yeah. somebody somehow someone knew you from reddit i think mm -hmm. or or were you posting on reddit before then or was it i started both simultaneously may 20th Okay. Okay. Well, whatever the case was, word got around pretty quick within our circle and, uh, we started following your, your progress and oh, right off the bat, it was obvious you were not screwing around. Like you were putting the guts of your model, not the guts necessarily, but like a very, very clear, um, and repeatable, you know, uh, sample of your results from your model, uh, to show that this was not, you know, some nonsense BS, you know, I'm making up scores and just the correspond with <laughs> my picks type of thing. Like this was here, here's my, you know, here's all this information. Here's the, you know, these are the plays with a percent edge over 5%. And, you know, if you could do whatever you want with this information, just know that I am not taking action on Casey in Baltimore. Uh, and I was like, okay, this is legit. This is cool. Start following along. And then, the results that you produced were just 
like seemingly impossible. Anyone that wasn't there <laughs> watching and wasn't part of the experience, I gotta imagine is like, oh bullshit, like no way. Um, <laughs> but sure enough, like it was just a ridiculous ride uh, following along. And uh, you know, as someone who doesn't handicap baseball themselves, like I gotta say, first and foremost, thank you for sharing all of this information. Uh, definitely made my experience in the 2018 baseball season better. Um, what was it like for you? Yeah, we and we we should say too. Yeah, like the. You know, it, congrats, and it was a nice run and everything, but congrats to us for being early adopters. <laughs> yeah, you not guys only, get all the credit. Not, 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 only, not only with him, but uh, we, I can remember um, we somebody put us on to Is Janosch when he was in the hundreds of followers. Too. Oh, that's true. So we're, we're, kind true. Of on the, we're kind of on the cutting edge of, like, who's about to get a bunch of bunch of followers on Twitter. Yeah. We knew it was, uh, was cool. Yeah. Yeah, we should start a stock market of gambling Twitter followers where you can buy oh, low there we and go. make returns on their follower account. Oh, dude. I, we would be the full-on John McAfee uh, pump-and-dump scam artists if that was the thing. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Um, but uh, let's – yeah, tell, tell me. You know, the, that was like an outsider's perspective. What was it like mm-hmm. when you got started? What were you thinking when you got started, and how did it all go down? Sure. So, like I said, I started May 20th. Um, I have been – lawfully wagering on sports for like three or four years now. Um, I did like a little bit on our history on like my background. If you want to listen to that, go listen to the first spot on here. Um, but basically like I was a poor college kid when I started and was nowhere near betting limits or coming close to any issues with getting kicked out of anywhere, anything like that. Um, and then I started winning a lot and Bitcoin went up a lot and I had some money uh <laughs> that I wanted to move around. And um this was the first year where I was basically betting like as much as I could, or the first year where I would have liked to bet more than I physically could have. Um and so I knew very little about the industry until this year. Um I didn't know anything about how anyone else gets down large amounts of money. And I had sort of just resigned myself to the fact of like, oh like uh, this isn't great, but I'm probably going to be stuck betting. I'll just call the number X. I'm going to be stuck betting X on games the rest of my life. That's fine. Uh, but if I want to scale this in any way, uh, not to be like money obsessed or greedy, but like, this is really fun for me and I want to make something big out of it. Um, if I want to scale it like that, I'm probably going to have to do something at scale for people kind of in, in public. eye, um, and then leverage that into something. I had no idea what, and I, still don't like really know what it would have been, but yeah, I just had the idea to start sharing what I've built. Um, so I did (laughs) and, uh, had a really interesting four or five months there during the summer. Um, I had zero expectations of growth or anything. Uh, I, I've seriously like not even being humble. I seriously never thought I'd have like 500 followers. Um, but then I did after like the third day and, it kind of just all shot up from there. Um, and here we are. <laughs> okay. So you were, but you were, you were a Twitter user before, right? You I, had I've other, had Twitter. Yeah. Okay. And did you have like an identity there where you were like, okay, this is the content I want to share and you know, people will find me, then I'll find them and we'll build a social network or whatever. And you know, I never then use you, it. I was never just on okay. her ghost account, like <laughs> okay, just reading what so, other people had to say. Got it. Got it. And, um, and then as like you started ticking up in followers, as your interactions, just freaking mushroom cloud, like what were you like? You had to obviously turn off all notifications. You're just like looking at like, this is crazy. Like where, where's how, how is this all happening? Like what was, what was a little the deal? bit? I, uh, so all of this, I had had to Twitter for a few years, but I like I wasn't even following like sports betting stuff. It was just like comedy fun accounts and like different celebrities and stuff. Um, and I am like very, despite being 23, which is like classic Gen X or whatever they call us of having all the social medias. I had nothing. Um, I was like, finally just, I had realized kind of in 2018, it's too powerful of a tool to ignore and finally succumbed. <laughs> and, uh, Sure. Started. And so like everything with it was sort of new to me. Like I I've seen tweets and I'd seen like the whole deal of what it is, but I never really like interacted with anyone on Twitter ever before. Um, so yeah, 
I quickly learned you get can in like a five minute span get messages asking if they can name your child after you, if you can impregnate <laughs> your girlfriend or wife. Uh, and then two seconds later, you get one with death threats for your family and yourself. So, um, I mean, at, at first, like it was Those super overwhelming just because I had never dealt with that. So <laughs> the first week I was just like, uh, okay, uh, this is weird. Um, I took it sort of, at least like the more negative ones I took kind of not personal, but I was just like, damn, like what the hell? Uh, but now like I've, just brush everything off really easily and I'm kind of used to it now. Okay. There was there any, you know, was as uh, cause you, you had a number of winning weeks in a row. Uh, the exposure mm-hmm. gets greater and greater and greater. You can tell, mm-hmm. you can definitely tell and feel like when, you know, the pressure is on, so to speak, or just the attention is high. Uh, did that influence the way you were dealing with, you know, your, your model itself, you weren't ever pressing. You just kind of write, you know, the work is done. I'm just going to post the results. They are what they are. They'll be. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's like one of the big things, uh, big reasons why I would recommend people have at least some naive version of a model to bet on sports is like, or at least some dis- defined strict system like that is that there is no psychology to worry about pressing or chasing or, um, when you're on a hot streak thinking you're God or when, when you lose a bunch of weeks in a row, like, being cowardly and missing out on some play. Like everything's really rigidly mathematically defined. So that never changed. I do on that point though, about feeling the pressure, like um, I do have this as one of my main sources of income and I take it super seriously. But at the same time, like I've worked really hard the last few years to get to a point where I don't need to grind over 15 MLB games that I'm getting down the exact number at the best number every single day on every single game. So like I had been betting a bunch in April and May before I started on May 20th and um, tracking everything with like the model's results, but I would probably only catch like 90% of games. And then once I had like a thousand plus people following, I I kind of felt more pressure like, Oh, uh, I can't golf today or I can't go get dinner today or whatever, just to like make sure I was on it with getting every number in before the game started. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of that pressure, but Never any pressure to change the way I do things. I know the way I do things works. Um, so. Okay. Well, I got a more complicated question. Yeah, I like, I like question. that. With the, oh, yeah, good. Because, yeah, the, the, whole, the whole psychology of gambling or betting, sports betting, what have you, if you do have yourself, even like you said, just a, a soft, naive model or, or some sort of some sort of rules in place for how you do things. Mm-hmm. You don't start second guessing because I think a lot of people, you know, the, the biggest problem is bankroll management. And I think some of it comes down to people pussyfooting around when they're having a cold streak or, you know, upping and up and upping their units when they're on a hot streak. And it's just kind of, like you said, the psychology of things, like when you think you're God and all of a sudden you, <laughs> you just start ramping up what you're betting. Like that, yep. that's never going to turn out well. No, mm-hmm. not ever, not ever. And that's that's kind of the part of the tuition you pay as you kind of learn from experience the hard way. I, yeah, it's I don't crazy. Think like, can, the three of us can say that as much as we want, but <laughs> right, I feel right. like everyone has to go through it to learn it still. Right, without a doubt. Let me ask you a more complicated question, though. Uh, so as you're sharing this information publicly and as it's becoming bigger and bigger, you don't really have a goal in mind as far as what the end game is, but the exposure was getting real. Like I know for sure in like the months of July and August, you would post on Twitter, this game has this edge and five dimes would line would move. Like mm-hmm. it was happening like instantaneously. And I think mm-hmm. it was volume, you know, of the number of people that were, you know, taking action on your, you know, on right. your model results. It, you know, was, was, was there before you actually got to the point where, okay, this is now the end game and I figure out, you know, how I'm, you know, how I'm, going to make something out of this before you got there were you concerned at all about the market catching up to what you were doing specifically and the fact like oh oh, man here's like my you know my my return on a given week has gone down is that because you know that i'm you know i'm being figured out in some way shape or form or you're always ahead of the curve and you know it and you're not worried about that sure uh that's a good question i mean i'm not super worried about um efficiency or win rate ever changing significantly because like my model just identifies what the true percentage of a team winning a game should be and the market does whatever it does and so maybe the market catches on and i'll have less 
games out of the 2,400, whatever there are in MLB season that fit. But if I'm still convicted in the way that I price games, uh, which I am, then there's still going to be some disagreements and any disagreement that there is, is, is bettable. And I'm going to be on the side of my model rather than the market. So, um, I guess yes and no. Uh, I, it was a little weird. Like you were saying, well, like, um, I think it was like mid July is when I really started noticing the screen sort of instantly moving and, and not just five down, like a lot of the big like market leaders too. Like I, I remember pinnacle specifically unanimously sure. would move two cents on every single game is like within seconds of me tweeting, um, which was really weird. Um, and like, I've now learned so that like some of the groups and such that were part of this, but um it's uh definitely crazy i i i guess it was just like yeah i don't even have words i was just really confused as like a little bit of like an ego stroke power trip for a week um Mm -hmm. and then i just sort of got used to it but even like i remember once um i threw out a dummy bet of just to see if this is like really what was happening of like some game I forget and then instantly deleted it five seconds later. And even that game was, was triggered too. Um, oh man. So, okay. So Andy, Andy, I'll ask you a question. If you're a bookmaker, how do you deal with something like this and how do you approach trying to not get taken <laughs> over the course of the baseball <laughs> season? You, you limit people and you make all your money on all the other people to just bet baseball you know, and lose money. <laughs> you just business as usual. I think for the books, there there'll be some big groups that get down. I suppose, but I think it's like what uh, what you were just saying there about figuring out how people get money down. Like mm-hmm. a, a lot of people are putting big big money down. They're not they're not doing it at the the pinnacles and some right. of those offshores anymore because they just can't. They're putting it down at a bunch of paperhead places and. And locals or, you know, anywhere they can or, you know, dozens and dozens of different locals at the same time. So I don't think like the pinnacles and, uh, you know, any of the big bookmakers are going to have to adjust for anything like this, because if somebody's taking them, they'll just limit their account. That's, that's just life. And those people have to find better ways to get their money down and the books will be just fine because plenty of people lose money at baseball. What if it's a whole swath of people so, that are doing it to you, though? Because there's a guy who's posting on social media the right side of most plays, and he's doing it after the market's matured, and they really can't cover their exposure because it's kind of late in the market cycle. Because that's kind of what was happening. Yeah. Well, they, you know, and they will move lines, and I think there's there's enough people that play lines like that and get a worse number and end up not, you know, let's say you you get end up with a 60% or, you know, a certain ROI and the people that are betting it three hours later, right before the game starts and they check what the, what they should be betting according to some guy on Twitter. And <laughs> if they're not getting the best of the number, the ROI is going to be, you know, much yeah, worse. That's true. That's you know, true. it's, it's, they it's not going to be everybody that's just on notifications. You know, just, you know. Yeah. 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 People, okay. people, you know, as a whole, people aren't going to clean up and the, the books are smart. They'll, they'll figure something out, but, like there's plenty of people that are just playing their own stuff or playing whatever their tout is giving them, and you know they'll they'll find they'll find it seems like the books are always find a way to make uh, make things work. Or like I said, they'll just they'll kick your ass out if you're limit betting. <laughs> yeah, or turn your knob down. Yeah, yeah, they'll turn. Yeah, they'll turn yeah. your knob down. Crank it down. Right. right. That's right. Okay. Well, it was an interesting phenomenon. It was nothing like I'd ever seen in the years I've been doing. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't really have to go through these types of questions like you do because I'm not <laughs> winning at that I have a clip at all, uh, especially in certain sports. But uh, I definitely am, you know, I mean, I'm woke in terms of I try to do a little uh, bit French of French Open two years ago. Yeah, well, I try to I I try to sprinkle in some favorite parlays in tennis mm-hmm. to keep my account from being, ident- you know, player profiled as a particularly sharp account. Sure. I think that's a, a strategy that helps kind of, you know, it reduces my long-term winning, but, uh, you know, it helps me get some little bit more action on the games at large, you know, number mm-hmm. more, more, more matches that are going on at any given time. And it's fun. And, you know, 
it's supposed to be fun anyway. So uh, it's it's a, a fascinating conversation. Let me pivot the uh, I conversation. I make bets too all the time. Just to <laughs> <keep> <laughs> <my trail. laughs> yeah, man. I put down a good amount. I put limit bets down on the hot dog contest. So I'm I'm already in a certain <laughs> category. I'm already profiled a certain way anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. That's whatever uh, the opposite of a lifetime ban is that. <laughs> exactly. I've got a lifetime. Right. I've this guy, Max, right. I did, I did do invite. some Max betting at, at Twitter. Uh, where was where was the good hot dog lines? Bovada. Uh, oh, I think they were Bovada. I did. Yeah. I did like yeah. some Max bets at Bovada on the on the other. I can't think of the guy's name. Yeah, I can't remember the, the guy with the birthday, Eddie Cincotti or whatever. Yeah, ch- yeah, Cincotti. Yeah, that's right. Um, Carmen Cincotti. Uh, that's right. Everybody, uh, Chris Kelly's uh, his buddy. Um, Anyway, let's pivot this conversation a little bit and ask you, uh, ask you, uh, what do you think kind of overall the role of social media is in terms of kind of providing useful gambling content and really just like, you know, the, there's a very clear transition going on right now. I feel like overall between how media is disseminated and the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, a couple of guys, like us, you know, just decide, Hey, you know, we're going to record a podcast and put it out there. And if you're doing, you know, if you're providing information, interesting information and quality stuff, like you're going to find an audience, like there's really no gatekeeper for this anymore, which is freaking cool. Uh, and it happened to work out with sports gambling, especially because there was a res- you know resistance to providing that kind of content at the major, um, you know, major sports media entities until the, you know, this year and the kind of the lifting of the ban on, you know, on bookmaking federally, um, you know, so like, what do you see as the current state of things in, in social media and sports betting and, and kind of sports media overall? Sure. Um, I mean, sort of like what you were a little bit alluding to, I feel like in a way, not to get super meta, but the customer is always right. Like, the market will decide what the role is, meaning like the stuff that's interesting and people want to consume will get consumed. Um, I think a lot of the popular stuff is oftentimes framed either because of ignorance or like maliciousness to be more valuable than it is uh, and sometimes sold as such, which I think like it's right to sometimes question some of those things ethically. Um, But I mean, there's a huge range of like things that are shared on Twitter. Uh, a very small percentage are helpful and useful. Um, probably a higher percentage are interesting and entertaining. Um, trying to combine the two is tough, but that's probably like, I think you two do a good job of that. And, uh, and like you said, I think for the most part, a lot of the good stuff filters to the top. Um, unfortunately, like, I won't name drop or name any names, but like there are some groups, companies, individuals, whatnot, who are selling or pushing a lot of things that don't carry a lot of predictive value or aren't really useful in any markets today. Uh, and either are like branding themselves as like teachers or masters or gurus or whatever, uh, when they really aren't, uh, which sucks. But I think long run, like that stuff will always sort of pan itself out. Hmm. They're going to catch a lot of fish in the next couple of years, though, probably, huh? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. Funny, like, like, nobody, most of the people know what we're talking about, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> let's not dance around it. Let's, let's talk about reverse line moves and stuff like that. Like, because, like, the, the tough thing is to even, like, write a whole book about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you could. You definitely could. Um, <laughs> so, it, like, with, with stuff like that, the, the tough part is to a noob, even if they're smart, it sort of makes sense at a high level or like it's, it's complicated enough to seem like it's, Oh dang, that is clever. Like that is an interesting idea. Um, and it's not immediately obvious if you don't know how the industry works, why it's basically close to meaningless. Um, sure. Sure. And so like, it's, it's easy. Well, it's not like an obvious line. fraud. It's a subtle fraud. <laughs> yeah. The reverse yeah. line um, movement makes so much sense. Like it's, it's super intuitive. Like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm sure that happened. That's, that's exactly like if, if you're new to it, like it makes so much sense that it has to be true. And then as you mature in this space, you realize like, boy, there's a lot of just bullshit out there. Like right. most of the, most of the stuff that you're getting from a lot of these media companies are just, it's just, it's just garbage. It's just filler. It's mm-hmm. just something to tweet about during the day. 
Exactly. It's, it's and it sucks because it's such a it's a hard learning curve for some. Yeah. Right. Well, you, how about uh, do we have much hope though? Because there's a guy by the initials SVP. I won't name names, but uh, goes by those initials. And uh, he's got a huge audience, uh, and he's kind of been on the forefront of gambling content even before it was cool. Uh, so give him give him hats off in that respect. But uh, he was, uh, you know, sports, you know, invited guest speaker at a big, you know, kind of sports and information uh, conference in Vegas, and he basically was like, "Yep, you want to be on whatever side the house needs. That's how you win." And it was like, <laughs> "What? What? <laughs> like you've been doing it for this long, and that's your take? Like what the hell?" Uh, and he, you know, all he can do is really say, well, look at my record. Public record is this, this is, and that's my strategy. And it's like, okay, you break it down and all right. Yeah, I get it. Like if you're playing like certain smaller markets and college football, and you know that you're getting a few free points on a dog that no one else wants to back because, you know, the college football better overall is just not doing any way, shape or form, uh, you know, a numerical model of capture you know, a reasonable point spread. They just look at two teams and they're like, oh, well, this mm -hmm. team sucks. So they're always going to lose by whatever the point spread is. Right. You know I mean? Like if you're getting a few free points because the lines makers are building it in that way and you're winning long-term that way, that's fine. But like, it's, you know, the fact that someone at that level is not advancing the cause of here's a more intelligent way to approach this is yeah. a little depressing. I, I guess it's just tough because I don't know I can only speak for myself. Like I'm in this very seriously and to make money and honest, I don't know. I think obviously everyone in the world wants to make money, but like, I think I, what would you guys guess? Like half are okay with paying sort of like an entertainment fee to get like the entertainment from betting on sports. And so 90% okay. or more even. Yeah. And yeah, I think much, much, much higher. Right. <laughs> it's much higher than 50. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, okay. I know like 99 yeah. actually lose and, but like, sure. I don't know what percent are like, okay, or understand that and are like, oh, trying yeah, to get yeah, yeah. Yeah, seriously okay. better yes. about it. Yes, 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 yes. If you break down the so 90... there, there's a ton of people where it's, it's just, it's like right. scratch offs for them. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah. you're going to take a hundred yeah. bucks out of their paycheck, put it into their offshore. And if it lasts till the next week, that's awesome. Cause they don't have to do it again next week. They, oh they yeah. Have, like the weeks where and they so, write it out for three, four weeks. It's awesome. And and so if listening to this uh, SVP fellow that you mentioned and following his like fun narratives about why he likes the team is fun for you, then do it. Um, and then if like the people who are actually trying to be serious and learn will hopefully put in the time to like research and learn and find like the five percent of good stuff on Twitter or the internet that has some educational or informational stuff that actually helps. Um, but yeah, like that, the narratives and like all that stuff, I feel like will always be a majority just because that's what people care about. It's more fun yep. to listen to. People yep, don't want to hear point. me read off like lines of Python code. They want to <laughs> hear like why uh, Tannehill has a good chance to complete X amount of passes this weekend. Well, hang no on. Idea. We're going to get there in a second. <laughs> We're going to get there in a second. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I know what you mean. And it's, it is weird because you, you post picks long enough and you get a very clear sense of uh, if you sweep on any given day, like I'm like, I kind of dread a particularly good run. Like if I'm, I'm much happier with consistently hitting three or two, three and two, three and two than I am. Mm -hmm. If I'm going five and oh, one and four, five and you know I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's much, much, much more, um, you know, sustainable to do it that way, in my opinion. And I always can tell if I'm like four and one, five and oh, on any given night, like the people come out of the woodwork asking for picks and you know that they're just trying to parlay them all. And it's just <laughs> like, like you're, they, oh, they just want the lottery scratcher. Like Andy was saying, right. like they're not in this to, you know, to invest money to grow or even like, you know, or even scratch an itch to make the game that they're watching more entertaining. They're literally just trying to get a lot of ticket out of it, which is, mm -hmm. you know, which is a huge percentage of the people that are doing this for sure. Um, and, you know, that's fine. Uh, but uh, what about the people that uh, are at the very upper crust of this stuff? And I like to, I, maybe I'm deluding myself. I think of the people that listen to this podcast as sort of that crust people who want a little bit more information about, sort of the situational factors and rest and things like that, that go into kind of making adjustments to a, you know, a baseline model. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what, what's, what's the future hold for them? And is there, you know, is there a, a reasonable way to kind of provide an extension to their knowledge base? 
so that they can be more effective gamblers? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not nothing. Um, I, I would just be very careful to say, like, I've said this phrase a lot, like, a nutritionist is not going to make you lean. A physical trainer is not going to make you jacked. A mentor is not going to make you rich. Neither of the three of us are going to teach you how to hit 20% ROI on your bets, um, <laughs> like, straight up. Like, we, we can give you, like, a broad array of things that we've done that are helpful. And then, like, I just saw a tweet the other day saying, like, it looks like I just sit around and, like, bet on sports and, like, don't do anything. But this is pretty much every day for six years I've been practicing and doing this. And so, uh, not to sound, like, arrogant, but I never really built any of my stuff based on any content I consumed online. It was all from learning stuff in industry, in class, textbooks, uh, YouTube tutorials, whatnot. And I would definitely recommend, like, if you want to be serious, that some level of technical skills matter. Um, and so that that doesn't lend itself towards good podcasting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, right. obviously, like, uh, the listeners to this and um, whatever you want to call the top 10, 5% who are actually trying to be academic and serious about this, it's definitely not nothing. There's a lot we can share, but it's very far from everything. Like, very far. And I just think... People need to understand all that we can give you is the tip of the iceberg. And we can be the nutritionist that tells you to eat apples and kale and whatever. But then you still have to eat the apples and kale and you have to like be disciplined <laughs> with that. And it's down to like your self-responsibility of like doing some own work outside of just listening to what we have to say. That's a great point. Um, are there like a handful, uh, you know, off the top of your head, you know, like a handful of very simple strategies that you would tell people who are getting started? Like this, if you can just kind of attack this weakness or this, um, you know, this knowledge base, which you're missing, if you could learn that, then mm -hmm. the rest will become much easier for you. Are there a handful of things like that you can think of? Yeah. So the number one thing I get asked about technical questions is something along the lines of what language do I use and what framework or library do you use? And I can answer them. I use Python and TensorFlow and Scikit-Learn and R, and I'm happy to share that. But that's not really what you should be asking, and it's not really what I should be answering. Um, because in 2025, there could be totally new industry standards of what people want to use. I think it's important to learn how to engineer solutions to things. Um, and so like, not to go on like a huge life story tangent ramble, but the number one most important class I ever took in college is never tangibly like nothing. It's data structures and algorithms. And I literally never like create my own data structure or like, I'm not using splay trees or any weird like computer science data structure and the stuff that I do. Um, and I'm also not writing like greedy algorithms or like computationally expensive like clever things, but taking that class and learning how to care about the complexity of what you write and learning how to think creatively and think critically and how to engineer solutions is really what's important. And so like to anyone, I'd recommend like some level of not learning how to program, but learning how to engineer because that will last a lifetime and will adapt to whatever the tools in 2025 are. Um, and that's way more important. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, for my two cents, I would just say, you know, don't think, don't think number one, don't think that it's out of reach, right? If you put up a barrier for trying out this stuff for yourself, then you can guarantee mm -hmm. you won't ever get there. Mm -hmm. Um, number two, I would say you've got to figure out tricks and tools to make it easier on yourself. If you go out and do something that's exceptionally computational, you know, that's draining on you, uh, then the likelihood that you are going to put it on a shelf at some point and, you know, it'll get rusty and useless as far as a tool goes is high. Uh, mm -hmm. The, you know, the easier you can make it uh, on yourself, the more likely you're going to be able to maintain it along the way and, and make something useful out of it. And then, um, yeah, and, and, you know, kind of zero in and focus on, you know, what you especially find useful and try to do something that's meaningful, um, you know, a meaningful baseline and then, you know, make your adjustments as needed uh, to account for things that you can't necessarily get from the data itself. That's been, you know, pretty important, you know, part of successful handicapping from my standpoint. So um, great, 
great uh, lessons and I'll say one last thing there. too. Yeah, go ahead. Um, this is like not to be a life coach, but everything in life is like I would definitely recommend having some level of patience with. Like I get messages, people saying I, I learned Python a month ago or something, and the stuff I've built isn't winning. Like, okay, dude, <laughs> there's so much more than a month of working you put in, and you shouldn't be expecting any amazing results right off the bat and you shouldn't be dismayed or discouraged you be it's not <laughs> yeah you, uh, i mean i don't know what your thoughts are on that but you should probably let a model run or at least back test it quite a bit before you exactly you just start betting a model you built <laughs> exactly i've yeah i was gonna say and I, I love what you said about just how much you can learn on your own even you know obviously you you have your computer what is it do you have a computer science degree is that what you did i do yeah yeah, I mean that, that that helps. That's big. That's gonna mm-hmm. that's gonna give you a little boosty there as far as being able to do this. But man, you can learn a ton. Just I mean, even just YouTube tutorials. For sure. Like I've yeah, everything. I mean, even free. just I do I do some shit just with Excel, and it's amazing what you can just you can just do with some formulas. Like just Google like how do I make Excel do this, and you can go down some deep rabbit holes and and make some some wild. I made a, a spreadsheet that was too big; it wouldn't even an open one time (laughs) (laughs) hey so with the um uh, i guess you know as far as like kind of that you can take a grad school for engineering you could take a grad school for computer science you know there these things exist for in other industries uh and you know other industries desperately rely on that level of education to you know to be able to um you know operate uh Mm -hmm. is there a future for you know, the equivalent of, you know, basically a gambling grad school. Are there people that are taking this seriously enough that, that they will, you know, pay for the knowledge base to do this at a level like, like you're doing this? Um, maybe. I, I really don't know. I Like, I also don't know if Twitter is like a representative sample of the people who would be interested in that. Um, though, I guess of, of, Twitter, the listeners to this podcast would be up there. Um, I, I think there is something to be said about this being a zero sum game and it ever scaling to the point of having like hundreds of thousands of like advanced computer science and data science, like machine learning experts building stuff um, before there's really no way for any of us to make money. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Uh, That's a good point. But, yeah. It's like a really good point. Um, so presumably though, with legalization of sports betting in, you know, in America, uh, and as it kind of trickles out through the States, you know, what th- there's going to, somebody's going to be making money. Like what, what do you, who do you, who's going to be the, the, the major, um, you know, who's going to get the windfall of all of this kind of new wave of legalization? You think, uh, I'll get a hundred percent. um uh i I don't know i mean i think unfortunately to start with it will be a lot of the people who have positioned themselves early and are like good at marketing rather than good at gambling uh which is just unfortunate truth um but i I just i always think long term like the right thing that that is helpful and like honest is always going to win in some if you give it some level of time scale to like win um so I, I don't, again, like I've learned everything I know about the quote unquote industry in the last five or six months that I've been on here. Um, the other 23 plus years of my life have just been being a nerd and learning how to <laughs> like model sports and write code. Sure. Um, I, you know, the media stuff's going to be huge for sure. I, I think everyone knows that. I think um, the operators for sure are going to make a lot of money too. Um and hopefully, like everyone really honestly is the answer. Like hopefully liquidity eventually increases um for people like myself who are trying to bet like larger amounts. Um but we'll see. I, I really it's tough for me to know. Mm. How many years before you think we see a nationwide betting exchange across all states in the United States that has liquidity enough to support people getting any size action down there like it's tough. I don't know. Like some of the existing ones, you know how long they have already been around? Like at least like that, 10, 15 years, right? Okay. Wow. I didn't know that. 
Um, if anything, that's a little discouraging that we're still at this point because at least all of the ones I've checked out uh, are nowhere close to being enough. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure. Um, I think, yeah, I, it's tough for me to say. I mean, a decade sounds like a good order of magnitude, but uh, yeah. could be. It, that's one one interesting thing is just if you look at like the real big movers of money, like the the sharper people who are like trying to move big amounts of money are often on the same sides of each other, and they won't often find counterparties to take the other side. Yeah, I, I don't right. know how much of an obstacle that will be, but. Yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. think you'll ever get away from books. It, it, you know, uh, a betting exchange will always be supplemental. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that I think the demand in the the market. I think it's there. Like we could have one now, but mm-hmm. yeah, it like a, a decade does sound more reasonable as far as and, yeah. Even like the technology exists now. Like everything exists. It, oh yeah, no, they could do it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, for, honestly, like it's one of the European books. All they'd have to do is just lift the geo restrictions, say start signing up. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of all that's stopping it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For uh for historical sake, Betfair was started in two thousand in the UK. And wow. um yeah, they yes. uh their that's annual surprising. yeah, they uh they make a lot of money. Um <laughs> or they they at least their revenue is especially high, which doesn't necessarily make sense. If it's they high. run, they run an Australian branch too. That's a good point. Anyway. Um, okay. Well, let's see the, um, the, uh, before we get into the NFL, um, Andy, did you have any last questions or you want to ask, just kind of seed the floor to, uh, to Mr. Horse, uh, to tell us some of his craziest things that happened over the course <laughs> of the year. Oh, I thought, God, we had a lot of good talking points here. That was kind of interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, let's just let's let's do story. Let's do a story time before we talk uh, NFL. Yeah, first the first one I got to ask is uh, what <laughs> was that a real? Was that a, not a prank? Was it real? The guy asked you to be in his wedding, and then uh, <laughs> and the, then turned the it around. It was real. The wedding um, bar was real. Okay. Okay. I hope the divorce was not, but I honestly <laughs> don't know. I, I I'm guessing the wedding bar was real. I well, I remember just when it happened being dumbfounded and then after an hour of being dumbfounded, I clicked on his profile and kind of like stalked him, stalked him around for a little. And he seemed like he had pictures of himself and like was in New York. So it sounded legit. Well, um, was the, remind the, remind the folks listening. What yeah. So for the so listeners, so, yeah. I received a message in probably July uh, saying, Barry horse, you've changed my life. At some extent of like, you've changed my life. You've, or you've impacted my life just as much as my brother's. I'd, I'd love to have you at my wedding and stand with the groomsmen if you, if you want to. Um, and then I received another message from the same account about three or four weeks ago saying that he lost all of his money following my NFL picks and that he's been divorced now. And he's glad that I didn't come. Um, which is funny for two reasons. One, it's, I don't need to explain, but two, like, I think I, I know for a fact, like my NFL picks were in the black every single day of the year. And yeah, I think never dipped below 57 or 58 percent. So you didn't hit five and oh once and he parlayed it every week, man. <laughs> Absolutely killing him. Yeah. Um, that was a that was one of the best ones. I don't know if it was the best though. I okay. think the best was I received a fully written and performed song to I'm So Paid by Akon. <laughs> That was an entire three and a half minute uh, lyric all about my baseball model and the season that that was. I'm not going to read it out loud, but I, if, I'll ask the user if it's okay for me to tweet it out. And I'll tweet it out. It's hilarious. Oh, and man, it, it, goes around, it goes upsetting. along perfectly to the song. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, with the wedding guy, did you think of reaching out to his fiance and being like, you're making a huge mistake? <laughs> This guy who doesn't know me, he invited an internet stranger to your wedding because he's got a gambling problem. You I did. I did. I'm just gonna let uh, oh natural selection play itself out. That's that's a good good plan. That's a good plan. Good plan. Oh my god, dude, unreal. Um, best uh, was the the best uh, windfall that you've gotten from you know the people that have uh, followed you along, just uh, simply getting access to golf courses, or is there anything else cool? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've had this sort of opportunity that I've a little bit mentioned in newsletters and stuff that I haven't, <laughs> I've kind of flirted and danced around that I'm going to continue to dance around until uh, I'm able to explain everything that I can. Um, but yeah, I mean, the golf has been amazing, actually. Like, way, like I literally never expected one thing. I think I've probably played a dozen plus rounds now with followers and expected wow. at least two or three creeps from that group. Literally every single one of them has been awesome. Um, like serious, like real life friends that I can just message whenever I'm bored, um, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's so crazy how this all happened so quick. Um, oh, that's great, man. That's fantastic. Um, good stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, the, um, any, have you gotten to meet anyone famous? With who? Have you gotten to meet anyone like, like famous? Oh, uh, yeah. A couple of players. I don't want to, <laughs> some of them are in the MLB and I really don't want to be involved. Oh yeah. In don't, don't blow up their um, spot. Do not yeah. blow up their spot. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's still, that's really, that's ridiculous. That's very cool. Yeah. That is cool. Um, good stuff, man. I think my favorite yeah. part though, like seriously, like obviously the business stuff and like my life's going to change a lot. That's really cool. But my favorite highlights were just like <laughs> some were a little weird about how much responsibility I felt after, but just seeing some messages like, Hey Barry, we're this family of six in Brazil. Like you're really helping us out, like support us and like get food on the table. Like, yeah, dude, uh, that's a little absurd, but I'm stoked for you. And then like just, you know, people college tuition, like stuff like that. It's crazy. Um, hearing some of the messages I got. So that's always like, the stuff I enjoy reading the most. Okay. Well, on behalf of the degenerate, degenerate community at large, we thank you for your service in the 2018 <laughs> MLB season and college football and NFL seasons as well. Uh, it was quite a ride. It's been um, an honor and privilege. Yeah. Appreciate your podcast too. Sports House has yeah. given me a lot of, given me a lot of uh, driving through LA traffic uh, killing <laughs> time. And I always enjoy your conversation. So hopefully regardless of whatever opportunity you have coming up, there's still time mm -hmm. to, to chat about sports with Jerry. So, um, good stuff, man. You want to talk NFL? Let's do it. All right. What do you think of the season so far? Been entertaining? Super entertaining. Um, I think everyone's pretty flawed, uh, or, or has like a pretty significant flaw, which makes it way more interesting. Um, strong agree. I think, I guess for the most part, um, I'm anchored on like everyone sucks to a degree. And <laughs> like a lot of the teams with good records have done cool things and are entertaining, but uh, I've just sort of fallen on like the luckier end of outcomes. So I think a lot of the teams are really close together and I think the playoffs are going to be really cool. And uh, like a lot of the historical powerhouses, the Patriots come to mind are not what they have been, which makes it a lot more exciting too. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, the, uh, it does feel like there was a, in a, I don't know, is this, is this, tr I guess, true or false? And I'll give you, Andy, you can refute me on this too. I haven't really made this point. I was just kind of thinking about it while I was doing some wine tasting over the break and I was having some drunk thoughts. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, it felt like, it feels my like my, theories. I know it feels like my priors heading into the season have completely gotten flipped on their head, which was that the NFC was full of a bunch of contenders uh, and that the AFC was like super top heavy. Right. And it mm -hmm. actually feels like that's flipped. Exactly. Like totally. they're really like, n there's not really a lot of teams that can come out of the NFC. Uh, mm -hmm. And whoever does get there might get mowed down by whoever comes out of the dog, you know, the, the dog fight, that's going to be the AFC playoffs. Um, I'd be, I'll be floored if the Patriots make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, this has been my position all, all year, pretty much that, you know, this is one of the worst Patriots teams. And I don't think even if they get the two seed, I think they're, you know, they are, you know, they're, they are, uh, there's a couple of scenarios that work out extremely poorly for them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, is, is the AFC the stronger of the two conferences? I Definitely. I can look right yeah. now. I, I should have done more prep and looked at some numbers. Let me. We, we, we both kind of had that take before the season. Yeah. Yeah. We had that take because we were all, we were so, you know, Rams, Saints, Vikings, Eagles, Packers mm -hmm. are going to be healthy this year. We, we said, you know, like five or six strong contenders. And then it was kind of Patriots. We thought uh, we did, we did kind of shit on the Jaguars. We, 
we kind of called the Jaguars tailing off, mm-hmm. but we thought the Pittsburgh might come back in just the, the offensive weapons that Pittsburgh had. We, we kind of assumed that they'd be good again. It was, I think we just called it like a Pittsburgh, New England AFC title game after not much struggling with anyone else. And the NFC playoffs being an absolute fist fight between six really good teams. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Packers it is. Falcons it is have completely fallen off. Yep. Like I, I don't even, you know, Eagles, Vikings, whoever gets in there and Seahawks, Cowboys, even to a pretty heavy extent, you know, they don't feel like Super Bowl teams, mm-hmm. whereas Chargers, maybe if the Titans get in, I don't know how, how I feel about that, <laughs> but just the, the way the Colts, Ravens, even the Texans at points, if they weren't so banged up, but the Chargers, everybody in the AFC feels like they can, they can win that conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were. I mean, I was. We were expecting it, Philly it kind of to look a lot better. We were expecting Atlanta to be competitive. We were expecting Carolina to be. Oh, I forgot about Atlanta. Yeah, we, saw, we thought Green well, Bay was going to. Yeah, all these teams tough. are on the outside looking in. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, it really feels like the NFC. I mean, I, you know, I'm going a long way around saying it feels like the NFC is the Saints to lose. I mean, they got the one seed. Everyone has to go through the Superdome. I kind of want to mm-hmm. just pencil them in as the NFC title champion. I mean. You know the we we've kind of joked about this, but the Jags twenty uh, the Jags twenty seventeen run, you know, it looks an awful awful lot like the uh, the Bears twenty eighteen to this point, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears kind of emulate their you know the way it ended too, get to the mm-hmm. NFC title game and you know lose from ahead against uh, against Drew Brees. Um, it seems like that's you know that's kind of the way this shakes out. Um, maybe I'm underselling the Rams, but boy, does it feel like they peaked back in uh, week nine or whatever they played the case. KC was that week 11? That might've been week 11. It was a while ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it does feel like there are a number of competitors in the AFC and I really can't tell you it kind of path matters so much and yeah. it's, it, we don't really know right now. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you can't get real too deep into it this week. Yeah, I think 2010 was the last year that a non one or two seed made the Super Bowl. Um, I might wow, be wrong, really? but yeah, oh my I mean, it's an obvious, just, it's literally just arithmetic, like having to play one less game is humongous. Um, yeah. And the game's at home. So um, it's like you said, path is going to be humongous. Do um, how are you feeling about your chargers? Yeah, so uh, I'll preface that by saying, unlike uh, every other team in the world, I am a lifelong diehard Chargers fan, and it's very hard for me to have unbiased thoughts. But um, I love them going into the year. I think the roster is extremely talented. Uh, In my numbers, they're the number two team in football right now. Um, And playing good ball. I I think um, they're super complete. They're honestly one of the teams with the least uh, obvious flaws. Um, getting Gordon back to full health will be important, I think, as important as a running back can be. Um, even Bosa is like just now, I feel like, starting to look like Bosa again. Um, but yeah, like that stat I shared about the 2010 is scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, none of the teams above really scare me. I, I'm. I, I'm terrified of looking like an idiot, but I I have such little respect of the Texans as being a real team. They have beaten absolutely no one. Um and yeah, like we I think we're it sounds like we're all in agreement on New England. Um yeah. and, and now they're injured. Like Yeah, exactly. They've got a bunch of shitty wins and now they're hurt all over. Like it's a Yeah, it's there's one of the worst like win teams I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you see anything specifically in that Chargers Ravens game? Uh, last week that uh, would give you any kind of, um, you know, beyond the numbers, so to speak, any kind of reason to believe the Chargers do better in a rematch in Baltimore in the four or five? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I literally watched like three snaps of that game. I was driving <laughs> from Santa Barbara. Um, I, I watched, I had my Some buddy. Fan you are lifelong Chargers fan. It was probably <laughs> on the damn radio. Oh, we had it on GameCast right next to me. Oh, okay, I just I okay, couldn't okay. like break down the game really. Gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. I could just follow like the flow of everything. Yeah, what do you think, Andy? Do you think the Chargers got a shot in a rematch against Baltimore? I kind of do. I feel I like do. the game was there for them to win if there wasn't that fluky fumble at the end. 
Yeah, you uh, just. I, I mean, just I, I didn't watch nothing. I did something. watch the game. I know there was a lot of like offensive pass interference and like penalties on converted third downs going the wrong way on both sides of the wall, um, which are like super clustery and secret, like have an outsized impact on the game compared to like penalties on first down and second down. Um, yeah. And I know there was a lot of those that did not go the Chargers' way. So yeah, yeah, they kind of got their comeuppance from a pretty lucky mm-hmm. officiating break in the KC game, which right. uh, you know that it goes around. It comes in. There was, there's been a few games like that. Yeah, I don't even. I think get into, I, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's the the Steelers game too. Yeah, that sticks. Uh, Steelers second half game. Um, I don't know if it is like the, you know, the prevalence of social media now. But do we talk about the refs more? Like, has no. it been bad this year? Are we talking it has about? Been, is it? I don't know. Do you want another? Is it just that we're always do you want another, uh, just you have, you're looking at Twitter while you're watching the games and everybody's bitching about the same thing. <laughs> so no, I think a, I no, I, so I you're got, in an echo I chamber got, and you feel, I got feel a like specific everybody's take on this. I got a specific more another half well, yeah, baked, we, we half drunk half drunk take. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh the half baked take here is that uh I mean you didn't hear a lot about the complaining about the refs through the first like ten weeks of the season. Like hardly any at all, which was a surprise because they turned over like, like what five or six head officials turned over this year. So you had a whole bunch of inexperienced crews out there, uh, mm-hmm. and they called a pretty decent set of games. It felt like uh, when the stakes were low uh, and when you know there really wasn't much pressure on them. And then as the games have gotten more important and more meaningful, I feel like the refs are choking. Like they just they're they're not uh, you know they're not using a reasonable um, you know, they're getting influenced by the crowd. They're influenced by the situation. It feels like, uh, and their you know, their influence is showing up in these games as we've gotten down the stretch. I feel like they're getting letters from the NFL every week. Hey, you're not emphasizing these calls enough and, you know, blah, 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 blah. They're trying, you know, they're getting nudged, you know, by the head, head of the league and things like that. And, um, you know, they're all trying to position themselves so they get opportunities to ref in the postseason anyway. And these are all inexperienced guys. I think, and I, I worry about the playoffs. I mean, I, the state of the playoffs with these new refs is going to be pretty, um, you know, pretty up in the air until, you know, these guys get some actual reps. Uh, and it's sad because the state of the NFL otherwise is in such good co- condition with so many good young quarterbacks and, you know, the head coaches that needed to be recycled out of this or need to be cycled out of the league are slowly getting cycled out of the league. So, you know, we're getting ever closer to a really more and more entertaining product. Hopefully the, the refereeing uh, isn't a problem in the playoffs, but it's been maybe maybe I'm an optimist, but my non drunk thought rebuttal would be that even like if you say a bunch of huge calls swung all 256 regular season games. 256 even is like a really small sample still. I don't, I don't think people like appreciate that enough. And so if, and I kind of agree with you up in, I think you said week 10, I think for the most part, the season went really well. And so I, I wouldn't be too pessimistic about one or two months that seem to be bad, especially when just like, it's pretty normal to be, uh, to like anchor on and only notice the outlier of bad calls and not the, like benign easy calls that don't really get appreciated. <laughs> no, nobody, tw- nobody tweets anything like that was a really good call by the ref. <laughs> exactly. You don't see those tweets. You <laughs> exactly. don't hear that. And, and to, to Wales point, um, we did, I think it was a good stretch at the beginning of the season. Maybe we just don't remember it that well, but part of that makes me think that that's not the case is I remember the preseason and the, the yeah, incessant yes, pitching yes. about, yeah, it was, they insane. did, they did go over the yeah. top and I think they did it on purpose. The, the late hits and that sort of thing, sure. they were calling those like crazy in the play. And I don't know if that just that like, uh, you know, conditioned us to once we got to the regular season to be like, Oh, now it's much better. Even though when it had actually just like returned to normal. Yeah, like, and then that, nobody bitch because be right. at least it's not like it wasn't the preseason because the preseason yeah. was brutal. They called everything. So, it was super bad. It, it was, you're, you're absolutely right. And, oh, it's gonna and like you said, it's gonna be under a microscope now. There's only gonna be a handful of games going forward, and boy, I mean, there's still you know there's refing decisions we talk about a decade later. Yeah. As far as uh, as far as the NFL, like Des caught it and. Uh, I don't even want to that think about those playoffs. The Des caught it was like the most that. most obvious one, and thankfully they changed that rule about catches. That's so become a little bit less, uh, you know, less a focal point because I don't think any of us wants to really 
hanging in, the, in there until the replay to know whether it was a catch or not. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I mean, overall, I think the state of the league is great. I just wish the refs weren't uh, as focal late in the season as they have been in some of these standalone games, especially. Um, I thought Saints Cowboys was super poorly officiated. I thought uh, Saints Steelers was super poorly officiated. Um, both of the Chargers, big, you know, big Chargers games against the uh, the Steelers and the uh, Chiefs were poorly officiated. So, you know, ho- hopefully this is, you know, they're getting their reps now with the big prime, you know, the big spotlight games. And uh, we see a little bit better performance in the playoffs. Speaking of the playoffs, you want to cap a little week 17? 